0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. This is your host, Libertarian Tony. So, I don't know how long this podcast is going to go. I don't know. I I mean, I could go off on 50 million different tangents, and I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's hard to know, because uh, we're going to talk about impeachment, and now that it is official, despite there being no actual crime committed, there were two articles of impeachment passed by the House, one on abuse of power and the other one on obstruction of justice, or uh, sorry, obstruction of Congress. So yeah, I don't know what to say about this. So I I don't know, maybe I'm just going to shoot from the hip on a lot of this stuff. It was inevitable. They had the numbers, and they could do it again. Right, they could do it again for whatever reason you want or they want. You remember those? I guess in the '80s, I used to read those choose-your-own-adventure books where you'd get to a part in a story where you had to be like, "Okay, does the uh, main character, you know, choose to go down the left hallway or the right hallway?" Uh, you know, it was it was it was kind of fun reading those books. Anyway, this is kind of what we have now. With impeachment and the House run by the Democrats, they can choose whatever reason they want, make things up, and just impeach the president over that, right? I mean, that they if they have the numbers, they can do it. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It doesn't mean it's the smart thing to do politically, but they can do it. Well, in some ways, Nancy Pelosi, she had to do it. She ran the risk of losing her position of power in her party, right? She ran the risk of losing control of the party. And that there's one thing that Nancy Pelosi doesn't like, is being out of control. You had a certain number, I don't know how many, could have been like 10 or 15, really, I guess, adamant members of her party that were just the only thing they could talk about and think about every day was impeachment. And they told their voting base this, right? They went out and uh, gave uh, interviews to the media and stump speeches and just talked about impeachment constantly, that this is what was going to happen and they had to do it. So Nancy kind of had to give in a little bit. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, they couldn't really come up with a real crime to pin on the president, So, yeah, it's, yeah, she fulfilled the promises of some of these people in her party, but to what end, right? Maybe to placate them and just say that she did it, and now let's move on. But now she's kind of like backing out of even sending it over to the House, and she says she's concerned about uh, getting a fair trial in the Senate. And of course, this is all bullshit. I mean, this is just as Bullshit. As when she and the rest of the people uh, in her party said that it was a solemn and sad day. I mean, they have. I mean, they loved this impeachment. They enjoyed it. And they had to hold back the laughter and applause, right? And when Nancy Pelosi said she, she prays for the president, I mean, these are all lies. But I mean, these are obvious lies. Everybody knows this is a lie. No, nobody believes any of this dog and pony stuff. They just go out and do it because. I don't know. For some reason, it, it's still part of the show to uh, talk like this, to say these things. I mean, uh, the re- the reason why we let these people go out there and, and lie is just inescapable to me. I have no idea why nobody calls them out on it. I mean, some people do, but they still do it anyway, and they'll continue to do it. So, yeah, I mean, that's where we are right now. You have an impeachment of president for... No real crime, okay, and this impeachment process was really messed up. Okay, this was the shortest impeachment ever in the history of the country. The Republicans were not allowed to call their witnesses that they wanted. All their witnesses had to be approved by the Democrats, which means only Democrat witnesses could be called, and every one of those witnesses that were called were kind of you know, destroyed by the Republicans questioning them. And then you had the lack of due process for the president, you know, slash White House in general, right? So you have the House saying, we want all this information from the White House and from Trump and the campaign or whatever. And Trump and the White House said, no, we're not going to comply because you're not allowing us a proper due process. You're not allowing us to question the requests. You're not allowing us to question your evidence. You're not allowing a presidential lawyer to be involved. I mean, this is normal. This is something that should have gone potentially to the judiciary branch, right, to kind of oversee the process between the two branches of government that were having this battle, right? You have the House and the executive branch, so legislative and executive branches having this little back-and-forth battle, well, it, it should have went to the court system after that. right? It should have went to the court system where the Democrats and or the House or whatever, they presented their side of the argument, and then the White House and Trump, the executive branch, would present their side. And then the impartial judiciary would have to rule on it. Like, uh, yes, Mr. President, you have to comply with these demands one two and three but not these over here a b and c and you know at that time then white house would argue their point of view none of that was afforded most of the i think impeachments in history were i think they lasted over a year and this one took 12 weeks why was it such a rush job why did it have to get pushed so quickly through the house and then now, why is Nancy Pelosi kind of holding things up? Hmm, oh, all good questions. Maybe because it was such a shoddy job of an impeachment. It was purely political with no real evidence to back it up. Now, and this is one of my tangents, unfortunately. Did Trump have some sort of quid pro quo with uh, Ukraine on the military aid for the investigation into the Bidens? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, that makes sense. That's how the United States conducts its foreign policy. Was there evidence of it, like direct evidence that Donald Trump put in a memo or a letter to the Zelensky in Ukraine? Hey, if you do this, we will do this. Well, no. Nobody's stupid enough to put it on a memo. Was it An implied quid pro quo? Yeah, yeah. but could they prove it? Well, no. And do I even think a quid pro quo with a foreign government is illegal? Well, hell no. This is what you do. When you're giving billions of dollars to another country, you're like, yeah, we're going to give this to you, but then you got to do something for us. That's expected. So having a quid pro quo wasn't even illegal in the first place. And then you have that bullshit claim of... I guess, a threat to national security that Ukraine didn't get this military aid. Well, of course that's bullshit too. It means no difference to us whatsoever whether Russia wants to invade Ukraine or not, right? I mean, Russia is just protecting themselves as best they can without starting a huge war. So when Obama and Hillary and all those idiots in that administration orchestrated the coup with the cia of ukraine overthrowing a putin-friendly dictator for a u.s friendly dictator i mean this really happened in 2014 russia was like oh shit we just lost one of our uh, naval bases and now what are we going to do i mean this is there was a huge military uh i guess defense issue for them so they went and took back crimea Okay, but if you talk to the people in Crimea, and there have been plenty of investigative journalists that have done this and went to Crimea, and they're like, yeah, no, we actually felt like we were part of Russia more so than we ever felt like we were Ukrainian. So the people there actually wanted it. And th- there, was no, there were no people going around with guns forcing people to vote one way or another. That was all lies uh, perpetrated by the media. So anyway, yeah, I mean, Russia only is acting in response to what we're doing to them, right? What NATO has done to them over the past 30 years that NATO said they weren't going to do, right? Didn't Ronald Reagan tell uh, Gorbachev that we will not move one inch closer to your country? And this was all around with the, you know, the Berlin Wall falling and then, and then the fall of the USSR after that. And then all we did since then was put military bases and take over territory closer and closer to their border? How would we feel if Russia all of a sudden put a whole bunch of military bases down in Mexico, right along our border? I mean, wouldn't we look at that as a a threat? Well, of course we would. Okay, so I have to get off that tangent, because that could go on for a while. Let's get back to, uh, I guess, impeachment. All right, so, yeah, I mean, obviously they had the numbers. The impeachment went through, and... Now we had, there were a couple of Democrats that voted against impeachment on both uh, articles, and you had Tulsi Gabbard who just voted present. So she didn't vote for or against the impeachment. Now, those Democratic voters that voted against impeachment are what? Are they, do they really care about the process? No, they care about their job. They happen to be in basically Trump districts where they live right where trump has a kind of majority support and they got lucky in the last house election that gave the house the majority and they took those seats well they want to keep their jobs they want to keep their elected position so they voted against impeachment now they can go back to their districts and be like hey i voted against it man don't don't vote me out i voted against it well because they went against party lines and against nancy pelosi They also run the risk of getting primaried out of that job, you know, whenever the next primary is, probably this spring. And uh, I guess that's the battle, right? That was the question they had to do, is like, do I run the risk of getting primaried out of my position, or do I run the risk of getting voted out of my position, um, I guess, at the end of the year, right? Because then you'd probably have some sort of Republican running against them uh, towards the end of 2020. Well, anyway, they made the decisions they made and let's see what happens if they actually keep their jobs or not. I think many of them will probably lose. If they don't lose the primary um, because uh, a Pelosi sends someone in there that's going to toe the party line, then they'll probably lose that seat in the uh, upcoming 2020. Now, overall, I mean, I do think this whole impeachment thing, since it was such an obvious sham, and since it looks like a real kind of takeover of the 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 presidency by the democrats i mean they're just trying to reverse a duly elected president from the last election this is not going to sit well with the voters and i think this is only just going to galvanize the support behind trump and so the evidence for that is that we have already seen some shifts in the polls President Trump's approval rating has been going up during this whole impeachment process, not down. And the polling in some of these swing areas has reversed. There has been, I guess, more support for impeachment six months ago, and that has significantly changed in the past month. So, yeah, what kind of message does that send? And then, I guess, you can maybe use some of the evidence from overseas, you have the in, in Great Britain, where they were supposed to have Brexit a couple of years back when the voters uh, put it as a referendum, right? They, they voted for Brexit, basically. And the politicians came out and said, no, you people are too stupid, and you got it wrong, and so we're not going to have Brexit. But then they just delivered this huge, huge uh, win to the conservative side, the huge loss to those crazy socialists who wanted to stay in the EU, uh, that is going to politically swing back and forth across the pond between, you know, Great Britain and the U.S. I think that's only going to help galvanize, you know, the, uh, I guess, Trump and and his uh, re-election campaign, right? Trump's going to point to that as like, hey, the people in Britain did it. He's going to say the people... Uh, the politicians there, those elites tried to reverse what you wanted, just like your uh, political democratic elites here in the U.S. are trying to reverse your uh, approved president from 2016. I mean, this is is all going to play right into his hands. I mean, at this point, I really don't see a way that Donald Trump can lose next year. I I don't see it. I, I have one scenario where Uh, And I do agree with Joey on this, who hasn't been on the podcast in like six years, but I do agree with Joey on this, that I think the only person who could possibly jump into the race on the Democratic side and and win would possibly be Michelle Obama. Okay, now, why do I say that? Well, I mean, she's just loved by so many people, right, unfortunately, right, because she's, you know, God has no accomplishments at all to her name and... No political experience, no experience running a business or doing anything other than, you know, marrying a senator and then being a first lady. So anyway, is there a chance she gets in? I don't think so. I don't think she really likes politics. I don't even think she likes the power. I think she just wants to sit in her new, you know, beachfront property up in Nantucket and just kind of enjoy life. And they have plenty of money, and Obama is going to go around the country and giving speeches, and Michelle will go around the country giving speeches, and they'll pay her hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. I mean, isn't that a lot easier than just being president, this high-stressful job where half the country loves you and the other half of the country hates you? I mean, if I were her, I wouldn't run. I I don't think she's going to get in, but if she does, she's probably the only one at this point who can give Trump a run for his money. Now, Hillary Clinton, I still think Hillary could jump back in, and I've said this on a couple of prior podcasts, and Hillary has hinted at it a couple of times as well, but Hillary is already a two- or three-time loser. I don't know how many times she's lost. I've I've lost count. So yeah, Hillary is already a loser, and she has still blamed Russia and Trump and the collusion for her Losing as opposed to her being a horrible cad- candidate that everybody hated, even her own party, they just wouldn't come out and vote for her. So, yeah, I just, if she gets back in, I, I still think it's a win for Trump. So, right now, I mean, looking at the Democratic field, and you have a, a debate coming up tonight on Thursday, I think it's Thursday the 19th, they're going to have another Democratic debate. I just don't see it. I mean, Biden's still in the lead in national polls. And uh, he's taken back some, uh, I guess, numbers from Warren. And Bernie Sanders has also taken back some numbers from Warren. Warren does not look like a threat anymore. Uh, Right now, it kind of looks like it's going to be between Bernie and Biden. And I mean, Buttigieg, yeah, he just he doesn't have any black support whatsoever. And you absolutely cannot win uh, the primary or the presidency without the black support on the Democratic side. It's uh, like. You have zero chance. I don't know that Boudicke can fix that in the next six months. I seriously doubt it. So anyway, yeah, right now it's it's looking all Trump for 2020. I think his re-election is is almost a shoe-in at this point, unless something really weird happens. Okay, so yeah, let's get past the whole IG report. I did my summary in the last podcast, and I'll probably do some to kind of follow-up to that. Uh, especially with you know you have Bill Barr and John Durham, their investigation is still ongoing. That's not going to get any better. That's not uh, for the Democrats, right? That's not going to get any better for what happened in the 2016 election. And as little things have been leaking out, more and more evidence is going to continue to point towards the Obama administration, right? More and more evidence is going to continue to point towards higher ups in the Obama administration knowing what was going on and giving the okay and possibly Obama himself even sanctioning all this investigation into Trump and his campaign. Okay, those things could come out. Now, is that going to be good for the country? Probably not. I mean, but... At the same time, Barack Obama is basically untouchable, right? Obama is the first black president of the United States. So anybody, I guess, giving evidence that Obama was a bad dude is going to be called a racist, and nobody wants to be called a racist, even though they use that term every day and nobody knows what it means anymore, right? I mean, this is going to make things worse in the country. It's going to cause more polarization, Uh, I have to loop this in with the other part of uh, what I want to talk about is the whole Mitch McConnell response to, you know, the articles of impeachment. So Mitch McConnell, the day after the House voted, he came out in about a half hour speech and talked about how it was like the shortest impeachment ever and Republicans uh, couldn't call witnesses and it was an unfair trial. And one of his main points is this sets up a really bad precedent going forward. Right, that you can impeach basically any president for any reason going forward if the Senate decides to validate this, uh, these articles from the House. Okay, that plus the polarization, the continued and the worsening polarization of our country, of down party lines, to me is all a good thing. There's, there's no way our country can be healed, zero chance right? So if I think there's zero chance that our country can be healed and Democrats and Republicans can live happily together, then what's the next best alternative? Is it war? Oh, hell no, right? I mean, I have friends and family and kids. I don't want war with uh, people that I disagree with. You want to peacefully go your own way. All right, so All these future possible impeachments and all this continued polarization and hatred for the opposite side every time an an election happens, this just adds weight to my argument that I think the country needs to split up. You know, it's like a divorce. You've got certain irreconcilable differences that you can't live with that other group of people or the other person anymore. It's just not going to work. There's no way to make it Happy, right? It's not going to happen. So, why not come up with a peaceful way for everybody to live happy under whatever president they want, right? Why not start breaking up the country into smaller countries? And then, yeah, I mean, they could all get together for certain things like the military. And that's actually how the country was designed, right? Each state was supposed to be its own sovereign entity each state by themselves could nullify any federal law it wanted because the states were sovereign. They were like their own countries. That's the idea of being a sovereign entity. But that's not the way our Constitution, or at least our government, has evolved and our federal government has claimed the Constitution, what it means. right? The federal government, basically from day one, under Alexander Hamilton, and and to some extent, uh, George Washington, they were expanding the powers over 200 years ago, right? And Alexander Hamilton, he he made, uh, I guess, he, he wasn't quiet at all about wanting to have a strong federal government over the states, not the other way around. He didn't believe in federalism, where each state was its own sovereign entity. He believed that the federal government existed to kind of get the other states in order and tell them all what to do, well, can you see how over 200 years that has played out now, where you have a federal government that wants to tell everybody what to do every four years because a new president is in charge, right, where you have a Congress that swings back and forth from Republican to Democrat and Democrat to Republican, where they want to make these new rules and tell everybody what to do every couple of years, and, it's, and it's, you're just supposed to live with it? And you're just supposed to hate this new Congress and hate this new president? Does that make any sense at all? I mean, why not vote somebody into office that you actually like and agree with? Why not break things up and let people move around in a country and just uh, exist with the type of government they actually want? Let's all, let all the socialists you know, move to California and, uh, and Washington and Oregon and they can have their own government. And then a lot of conservatives could move to Texas, Arizona, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, and they can run things their own way. I mean, what's so horrible about that, right? I mean, look at Europe. Europe was many different peoples for a long time, and then they came together under the EU, and under your very eyes, the EU is collapsing. Once Britain gets out, all right, mark my words, once Britain gets out, this is just going to make it so much easier for the rest of the countries to want to get out. They're going to use that as a precedent to leave the EU. And then what? The the EU has gone. Okay. So yeah, if Britain goes ahead with their plan to exit, then I'd say within a year, you're going to see another country trying to exit. And within a year of that, another country. Okay. And it's going to, it's going to be kind of like a spiral down until like the EU completely dissolving. So within five years, maybe 10 years, the EU is going to be gone, okay? Probably within five years. All right. So some of the other things I wanted to talk about with impeachment, and I know I went off onto 10 different tangents, but at least it's kind of entertaining. Um, Yeah, I mean, they impeached Trump over nothing, okay? They could have impeached him over other things, none of which they wanted to try, right? They could have impeached Trump over uh, bombing Uh, Syria on false pretense of a gas attack, and you have all that crap coming out now about Duma. You have whistleblowers coming out and WikiLeaks and emails that it was all a hoax. That last gas attack in Duma in Syria was a complete hoax. Perpetrated by who? Our CIA and intelligence and people once again, okay? You had Americans go over there, talk to the investigators, and be like, no, this was a gas attack no ifs, ands, or buts, this was a gas attack, and this is what you're going to say. And now that these people in in the uh, investigating team, I think it's the OPMW or CW, whatever it's called, they're coming out, right? They've been uh, leaking it for a while now, and there's been plenty of articles over the past two months that this was all a sham. And Trump bombed Syria over a sham, okay? That's an impeachable offense. He killed people, over nothing. He had no right to go and do that. He could also impeach Trump over um, over supporting Yemen, supporting the Saudi Arabian, Saudi Arabian war in Yemen. I mean, that's not constitutional. We never declared war on Yemen as a Congress. That's supposed to be what happens when, you know, you have uh, <clears throat> disagreements that you can't work out through diplomacy, and Congress by constitutional law is supposed to be the ones to declare war, not the president. But yet we're giving Saudi Arabia money and bombs and weapons to go and have this genocide in Yemen. So that could be an impeachable offense. But again, I said this on a prior podcast, if they do that, well they then they kind of have to go back and try Obama for war crimes, because he's the one who started the whole thing with Saudi Arabia and Yemen. And they're never going to do that. So that's why they're not going to impeach Trump over that, right? They don't, they don't want to look, they don't want the American people to look too closely into that. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, presidents in the country uh, or of our country could have been impeached every single president over the past hundred years or more. You can even go back to Abraham Lincoln. He should have been impeached. Abraham Lincoln was responsible for the deaths of 800,000, probably more, Americans. Okay, no shit. I mean, basically, he, Abraham Lincoln forced the Civil War to happen. The South seceded from the Union, and Abraham Lincoln would not recognize that. He cared nothing about the slaves, and he had said that numerous times. And he actually, I mean, you, yeah, in his speeches, you can see Abraham Lincoln uh, talked about the supremacy of the white people and all that. I mean, he was a, a devout racist he didn't care about them one whit. He just wanted the South to stay in the Union so that they can c- continue to collect taxes and tariffs from them. That was the only reason why he wanted to keep the Union together. Anyway, yeah, so Abraham Lincoln could have been impeached. And then how many other presidents since Woodrow Wilson could have been impeached? I mean, just about all of them. I mean, Woodrow Wilson got us into a, a, a war we never should have got into in, in Europe. That was World War One, right? You got FDR with all his New Deal crap. I mean, all those things are unconstitutional. Just about every war the United States got into after the Civil War has been in some way illegal, right? Maybe what was the last? The last justified war was probably the War of 1812, where we were attacked by Britain. But after that, pretty much every single war has been based on lies and propaganda, and I'm, to, I'm working on a podcast coming up about all the CIA and government lies, and I think you're going to find that pretty eye-opening. So, yeah, anyway, things are going to get worse. I don't know what's going to happen with this whole Nancy Pelosi holding things up, going to the Senate. Eventually, it'll get to the Senate, and in some respects, I'd like to see a big trial let the Republicans call every witness they've ever wanted into the, into the uh, I guess, investigation and um, question everybody and bring out more and more dirt. I don't know. But then in some ways, you have people like Lindsey Graham, who's a deep stater. He's, he doesn't want to lend any credence to this whole thing. I, I, I'm kind of suspicious about Lindsey Graham with that, uh, with that ploy. Because Trump, I mean, if you ask Trump, he would like there to be a big investigation. So do they need to do it? I don't know. The, you know, you already have John Durham and Bill Barr kind of doing the investigation, and they're going to release their information hopefully soon, and maybe there'll be indictments there. But here's one thing to consider. Uh, the deep state has a way of protecting itself, okay? So I would not really hold my breath if I were you. If you're expecting a whole bunch of indictments to come out and people to go to jail, I mean, you might get a few low-level people sent to jail, but nobody of really any import. I, I seriously doubt it. I mean, do you really think John Brennan or James Comey are going to end up in jail? I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, these people were some of the most powerful men in the country a few years ago, and still, still are pretty powerful, right? And they, they, have, they have ways of protecting themselves. They could threaten to expose certain things if they're prosecuted and things like that. I mean, that, that's how the deep state protects itself. And so for you to actually think some sort of justice is going to come out of this in the future, I, I think is a little, yeah, I think it's a little foolhardy. It's a little wishful thinking. Uh, and maybe you would say to me like, oh, Tony, you're too cynical. Well, yeah, I mean, but the evidence is on my side, right? I mean, how many people ever really get prosecuted that really did something bad? I mean, look at Paul Manafort. He got in trouble for stuff that he did that he wasn't even with the Trump campaign yet on. I mean, this is stuff that he was doing like 10 years ago, right? I mean, come on. I mean, these people don't really uh, go to jail, these powerful people. Anyway, um... Yeah, the, the other thing I guess I want to talk about was the FISA court actually put out a response to the FBI, right? They came out and said that, hey, you guys got to get your act together and you have a month to do it because now we don't know if you're ever telling us the truth. Well, you know, there was also a Nunez response to the FISA court response, right? And what Devin Nunez said was that like, hey, you know, we told you guys about this like over a year ago. We sent you guys information that uh, what the FBI was doing was wrong and illegal and they had no basis uh, for, you know, these search warrants and these uh, FISA applications, and uh, they they didn't have any of their evidence, uh, I guess, uh, substantiated. And yeah, so the FISA court has got some answering to do of its own, okay? Uh, Hopefully, I want to see what plays out with that, because in my opinion the whole FISA court system should be shut down, right? You don't need it. it. It Has it ever helped us, ever? Or has it only caused problems? I mean, everybody knows sending something to the FISA court is like a rubber stamp anyway. They just say yes. They, they approve like over 98% of the applications for warrant. So if you approve basic almost 100% of every application you get, Well, isn't that just kind of a rubber stamp yes, that anybody could come with to you with any sort of uh, application for wanting to spy on someone and you're going to say yes anyway? Maybe if they rejected 40%, right, that it would look like they actually did their due diligence and made sure it was something reasonable, right, that these, you know, government agencies were, were asking the court for. So because because they're so useless and they just rubber stamp everything, they need to go, right? If you want to spy on someone, you want their records, you should have to get a warrant. The old-fashioned way, go to a judge, present them with the evidence, let the opposite side present their evidence, and then let the judge make the decision, okay? You, you, you can't just have these secret courts with these secret judges and these secret... FBI officials doing this sort of thing, because it hasn't worked out for us. It's only worked against the American people. It, it, it's only caused illegal, I guess, spying, like we've seen, right? Illegal spying on Trump and the Trump campaign people. Not, and it's funny how, I guess, some of the people want to, they want to see is like, is this FBI, are these FBI lies ubiquitous? Are they throughout, you know, all of their applications, you know, the court is questioning whether they can trust anything from the FBI. Well, probably not. And they also, uh, people have commented on, you know, whether this was just a a bunch of mistakes, and uh, they're talking about was there political motivation behind it or not. And the IG guy specifically said in, in testimony, he couldn't prove that there was political motivation. But he also said he couldn't prove that there wasn't. And when you look at all the information, right, if you look at everything that happened, all the mistakes that were made on these FISA applications, how come no mistakes were made on the side of Trump, right? How come no mistakes were made on the side of no Russia collusion and uh, no P-tape and no President Trump being in a pocket of Putin and all that, and no collusion between Carter Page and, you know, these uh, people in Russia, right? All the mistakes were made in one direction. All the mistakes were made to support the FISA application for spying. No mistakes were made in the opposite direction whatsoever. So, yeah, obviously there was a political bias. And we know that from all the emails and texts between Lisa Page and, and, and Peter Strzok, that they hated the president and they wanted to have some sort of insurance policy to get him out if he got elected, right? To uh, hamper his presidency if he got in. And you, you have um, McCabe talking about using some sort of 25th Amendment to get Trump out of the office, wh- which is something that can usually only be used for when the president becomes incapacitated, right? He gets in an accident and now he's like, brain dead, or he kind of he's, he's kind of out of it like Joe Biden, and you, you have to remove him because he's insane, right? I mean, it, th- this was an obvious political motive behind all these FISA applications, all the investigation into the uh, Trump campaign and his people. And this is, this is exactly why, you know, uh, Bill Barr came out and, you know, when the IG report came out, he said like, yeah, I, I do have more information than uh, Horowitz does. And I don't really agree with his premise that he couldn't find any political motivation. So yeah, well, I mean, I can't wait to see it. I just don't think too many heads are going to roll because I know in the past the deep state protects themselves. That's just what they do. So these are fun times, my friends, and I don't want to drag this podcast on any longer than I have to. So we'll see you next time. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Please do me two favors. Number one is to share the show. Remember that we want to continue to advance the message of individual liberty, and sharing and growing the show is one of the best ways to do that. The second favor is to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. A five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, please check out our website, libertyonfire.org. Thank you very much. And until next time, let's keep those fires of liberty burning bright.